This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery, and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. With a perfect start for Manchester City, well underway this season, can Pep Guardiola's side continue pulling up Premier League trees as they welcome Nottingham Forest to the Etihad this weekend? I'm your fourth favourite host, Ollie McCall. I'm Ollie Kerr. And this is the City Report Podcast. So welcome to the Friday show, Ollie. Uh, the weekend starts here, whether it's BT, TNT, Satanta or sitting in our living rooms. Um, how are we doing? Are we looking forward to the weekend? How's your week been? All good. Um, I'm glad City have had a perfect start because we haven't here on the City Report podcast tonight. But uh, yeah, all good. Been a busy week. Uh, looking forward to Saturday at 3pm kickoff on a Saturday is a novelty and one that I suspect once we pass Christmas slash New Year, we're not going to have many Saturday 3pm kickoffs. So uh, yeah, going to relax over the weekend and enjoy the Saturday afternoon game while uh, while we've got them. Yeah, four 3pm kickoffs in a row, four attempts at recording this podcast. I think, it's some, <laughs> I think there's something in that. Um, but so anyway, after yesterday's excellent preview of the Forest perspective from Amos and guest Adam from Red Side of the Trent podcast, today we're turning our attention back to the champions and how we think they'll fare this weekend. So starting with a more general view after a hectic midweek win to open our Champions League account, Ollie, uh, how do we think City stand going into this one? Does the C- does having the Champions League back make a difference for you? And speaking about the Champions League, uh, I know you missed the game uh, early this week, but do- does it feel any different for you being the defending champions, whether it's for the Premier League or in general about the Champions League? Because for me, I felt a little bit emotional, especially seeing Mike Summerby walk out the trophy. That was quite a moment. So, um, yeah, what, what, what's your take on that? Yeah, I, I did miss the game frustratingly. I caught the last 20 minutes or so. Um, but 
I mean, psycho- from a psychological perspective, I don't think it, it makes a difference really. Both in the Premier League and in the Champions League, we've been the team to beat for a number of years now. Um, I know there have been others. Madrid, obviously, as holders, were team to beat Liverpool at one time. But realistically, we've been a scalp for any team either domestically or in Europe for for quite a while. And we've dealt with that well. In terms of the the, the fatigue issue or, you know, having, having the two to three games a week again, it's a weird one because we know that having that rhythm of two to three games a week, when we're winning anyway, obviously, if it goes the other way, then not so much, but it's good momentum to build. Um, but the other side of that, you know, we've got a mounting injury list, which I'm sure we're going to talk about. And it's a lot of games on the legs when we're looking at another 50 plus game season, if we are to go deep in three or four competitions. So a bit of a double-edged sword. There's some guy, some good, some bad, uh, some ugly, but you know, with this team have done it all now, uh, especially having won a treble, they truly have done it all. They've gone deep in every competition, having been the team to beat and still come out the back end of it successful. So uh, business as usual, in a sense, not, not too concerned. Yeah, I get I get kind of a similar fe- feeling really. It's all about just developing that winning rhythm and speaking about that. Um, you know, the last time City went uh, as far as October into the season without without losing was last year, uh, last season, and we did it in Pep's first season as well. So it's kind of a double edged sword there. But the longest time we ever went um, unbeaten at the start of the season was seventeen eighteen Centurion. So. Do, do, do you think we're on the cusp of something like that this year as well? Or or is this sort of, um, what, six, seven games now on the spin uh, without losing? Is it kind of more indicative of our schedule at the start of this season, do you think? Mm, yeah, we've, we've, we've had it fairly straightforward. Um, fairly. Newcastle, obviously, tough fixture. Um, but I don't know. It... It's, it's a funny one because the problem is that when teams have a good start or teams have a bad start and everyone's missed the football over the summer, then the media and the fans they start talking about this is how it's going to continue over the course of the season. Uh, usually not the case, of course. You know, last season we had a terrible start. Um, I think the season before that we had a bad patch as well near the beginning of the season. This has actually been a bit of a freak occurrence in that we've started extremely strongly, whereas usually it's around kind of Christmas towards February, March, that four months where we tend to have our strongest runs. So now I'm, I'm just kind of taking each week as it comes personally. This is a bit of a stock answer, isn't it? I sound like, <laughs> sound like Pep here and the players, you know, we take each game as it comes. But it, it is true at this point. Um, there's, I'm not reading too much into the fantastic run that we are on because the landscape is going to change a lot, again, with injuries, with the, with the workload on the players, with uh, difference in the difficulty of fixture runs that we're going to have. Um, I think we've got a particularly nasty period coming up after this, uh, maybe after the October international break Mm -hmm. uh, or a little bit later. So, yeah, not reading too much into it at this stage, just uh, enjoying each game while there's there's no particular pressure. But uh, I don't like the look of Liverpool creeping up behind us in second. Don't want a title race with them again. Yeah, I mean, and we've and we've talked about you know different types of title races on this podcast. I think we all came into the season feeling, you know, having that kind of real confidence that only a treble winning season can give you, which is obviously something no one's experienced for twenty years, um, or even longer now, actually twenty five years more like. So um, it's it's an inter- it's a really interesting feeling coming coming into this season. 
But um, and I think City have almost backed it up. But then you know you look at our schedule. Okay, we've played. Yes, as you say, Newcastle's a tough game. But that we have have we had that sense of jeopardy yet? I don't really think so. Um, like we've had a couple of weird results, and we're going to talk about more of this in detail later on. Um, but one point from recent games that I want to bring up now, because uh, I just kind of want to get it out of the way. You know, Erling Haaland, it's kind of normal or nah for him at the moment. You know, he's finishing. Is that? It feels like he's misfiring a little bit, especially uh, the game mid uh, midweek. He definitely didn't look fully there. I mean, he got his goal against West Ham, but you know, it's you know, if if, if it was a gunman or an archer with those shots, you'd be a bit worried about where they're going to land uh, with some of them. But his goal record in the Premier League is still really good. You know, seven in five, I think it is. So, is 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 it worrying you, or is it just something to you know keep in the back of your mind for now? And you know, we'll revisit it in three weeks when he's probably got three four hat-tricks on the spin again um it's not worrying me because the thing is with Haaland his stats at this point you know almost a goal a game uh, or even more in some competitions he has bad patches but his bad patches are like the game against West Ham where he misses he misses he misses he misses and he still gets one at the end we've had games where he's had seemingly terrible games in front of goal and he's come out the back end with a brace so I, I'm not too concerned. We know his quality. Um, listen, you can't really complain, can you, if a striker's having a bad day and is still coming out the back of it with a goal. Uh, I'd be, I'll, I'll only panic about Haaland if he goes four, five, six games without scoring. But otherwise, he's, he's the best number nine in the world, isn't he? Yeah. And he's, he is, despite all the jokes about being a robot and getting his software update, he is human and he is going to have some games where his stats don't align with you know, the XG or the big chances created for him, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But it, it just doesn't matter. Um, with, with a guy like that, you know the goals are going to come. Uh, it, it's I'm not too concerned, to be honest. No, and I think especially when you've got like Julian Alvarez backing up, you know, the second best striker in the Premier League, you could say at the mm. moment, and he's not even playing as a striker. Um, so... Yeah, because you do, you do see, every, I think everyone's kind of waiting for Haaland to make that mistake or slip up or miss the important moment where, when you know Haaland not scoring finally costs City because it hasn't happened yet. And you know, mm-hmm. you know, the moment it does, the media are going to be on it like hawks. You know, they're desperate for you know comparing him to Darwin Nunes again or you know <laughs> the the lad that United have bought Rasmus Hoyland. Uh, I think he's finally scored his first goal after seven weeks or something now. So. Now, good for him, but he's got a way to go before the media can actually realistically make those predictions, whatever Gary Neville says about him. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I agree. It's a bit too early to be doubting him, but, you know, you, I, you obviously you didn't see the game, but watching him in midweek, it just felt a bit like, come on then, come on, get your goal now, or we'll mm. get a penalty and a score that. But obviously it never happened. Yeah. And, well, but, it, it was similar against West Ham. So yeah. you know, I can imagine from the sentiment that I've heard about last night, it was very similar to the West Ham game where he was just just being quite wasteful, wasn't maybe involving himself as much as he could do. Um, do you know what? I'd, I'd be more concerned if we'd struggled to replace Gundo's output mm-hmm. for when Haaland isn't firing, do we have somebody else that can pick up that slack? Obviously, Gundo's not here, but Foden's been productive. Alvarez, in particular, has been productive. Uh, Doku got his goal against West Ham. He looks like he's going to be another productive outlet going forward. So even if Haaland does drop off, it's not like we're going to struggle for those goals elsewhere. Um, But I just don't see Haaland dropping off. If he goes a game missing five big chances, but still getting his one or two goals, you can't really complain. 
No, exactly. Um, but just to finish, just to wrap up part one, we'll talk briefly about Nottingham Forest. Obviously, you know, covered extensively yesterday by Amos and uh, Nottingham, For- and Nottingham Forest, but we'll talk briefly about them. What have you made of their start to the season? Just for context, they're sat in eight at the moment, played five, uh, won two against fellow mid-lower table, potentially relegation candidates in Sheffield United and Chelsea, um, drawn one against <laughs> Burnley and lost two against, quite relatively expectedly, Manchester United and Arsenal. But you could argue they were more competitive in that game than you'd expect. Um, Steve Cooper, their manager, has called City at home the hardest game in domestic football. So where, where where do we stand on Nottingham Forest coming into this game? Um, they, they, their form just reeks of mid-table mediocrity come the end of the season, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, Chelsea, you know, beating Chelsea away. Chelsea is so unpredictable at the moment. You, you, you can't really read too much into that. They lost at United, although, as you say, they were competitive. Lost at Arsenal, to be expected. They're picking up points against Sheffield, as these teams need to do. You know, that, that is very typical mid-table form, right? They'll steal a few points off the big boys, beat the relegation fodder and have middling results against the teams around them. Um, You you can't imagine them doing much better than ninth, tenth, but also I think they're in a place where you're looking at them thinking that they're they're good enough to be comfortably out of the relegation race or battle by March time. Um, they're, They're just... I don't mean to insult them by this. There are positives to be taken from it, but I think they're just quite unremarkable. They're not remarkably bad. They're not remarkably bad. They're not going to be remarkable overachievers. Uh, I think they're just going to be around the middle of the pack. But to be honest, they may t- they might take that after last season. They might be happy with that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they were involved in the relegation battle right to the very end last season, and obviously, as you say, get, taking big points off the big boys. They took a they took a one one um, at their at their ground. Um, in what was kind of the midst of the tower, I think it was just after we beaten Arsenal. So they're very much capable of being that really structured low block and just getting in the big team's way. And we've seen them threaten that this season, but, you know, it's just not quite come off for them yet. Obviously, um, speaking of the games last year, 6-1 at home, uh, the corresponding fixture to the one we're previewing today. That was where the Haaland-Alvarez playing in midfield combination was born, I think I'm right in saying. So and I think that was what hat trick for Haaland, two goes two goals for Alvarez, um, but obviously they've got players who can cause us issues. Taiwai Awani mm. up front looks an absolute don as don of a striker, and even the cheap pickup from Chelsea, Callum Hudson at all. You know what's happened to his career? Great signing, Great fantastic, signing. For, especially for the money. I think it was only a couple of million. So you're thinking, yeah. and Steve Cooper, he's worked with the likes of Hudson at all, even Phil Foden in the. Uh, England under 17s when they won the World Cup in 2017. So, you know, he's got experience of players like that developing youth. So I think what, what mm. you know, are we, do, do we feel a little bit more threatened by them now they've got a little bit more talent up front? Or, or is it just, is this really going to be a bit of a rout? You know, or do you think they can cause us some issues? Um, I mean, the... It's funny because you, you, you mentioned how he and he's done damage and he's done damage to the top sides. Um, Ilanga might be enjoying a new lease of life over there. He had a miserable time at Old Trafford, which uh, isn't unusual no for any budding young player. Um, Divock Origi, you know, he's he's got experience at the top level. Um, Morgan Gibbs White, he, he can be a fantastic player on his day. So yeah, like any Premier League team. They do have players that can hurt us. But ultimately, it's going to need a combination of two things. One, they're on their day. And two, we are really, really off it. 
Uh, and again, that's not meant to be insulting to Forest. As you said, you know, we are the toughest away game in Europe. Um, so it, it will need a combination of factors for them to get anything off us. Is it impossible? No, absolutely not. They did get some great results last season. As I said, they, they beat Arsenal. Um, they beat in Chelsea this season. They beat Brighton at home 3-1. But then again, they also lost to Leeds away. They drew to Wolves at home. Uh, so... Yeah, you know, as I say, they're just one of those teams. They will take some points off the big boys. Might be us, might not. Um, is there anything in particular to worry about with them? Uh, as long as Adama Traore is not on any opposition's starting lineup, I'm uh, I'm quite happy. <laughs> I think that's a fair point. I think he was meant to sign at Nottingham Forest at one point, but I might be mistaken there. Um, but anyway, that'll do for part one. Join us in a minute for part two of this episode of the City Report podcast. 18+ Welcome back to the City Report podcast. Don't forget to like, subscribe, give us a follow wherever you're listening. And if you like what we do, leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts too. So, right, let's move focus entirely towards City this weekend then. Um, what type of game do you think we're going to we're expecting here you know this this is a new ball carrying era at Manchester City you know it's dribbles galore in in recent weeks especially with uh, Jeremy Docker who we're definitely going to talk about a little bit more later um but obviously Nottingham Forest are we expecting a low block uh can we can we but can we expect that same relentlessness we've had in recent weeks to deliver these results yeah I, I don't think they're going to come to play I think they'll come to frustrate us um <laughs> The, f- the funny thing is it's going to be down to us how the game plays out. You know, if if we can't get an early goal in the first 30 to 40 minutes, then they are going to be resolute at the back and be looking for the kind of uh, the kind of smash and grab that teams like Forrest are more than capable of delivering. If we can get an early-ish goal and find a breakthrough somewhere, then it will be a route because they are going to have to come out of the shell uh, and they're going to have to play with us. So... We'll see. Um, but I, I don't think the Champions League will take anything away from our energy. Uh, I think we're, we're, we're going to set out with high intensity uh, and we're, we're going to seek to try and find that early goal. Yeah, I mean, so far, fast starts this season have been the case, but um, especially in the last couple of games, the team haven't really always capitalised with goals in that first 15, 20 minutes. You know, you look at the last two games, we've gone in at halftime 1-0 down, but then immediately in the second half, we've come out and scored, you know, an equaliser, you know, Doku against West Ham and Alvarez against uh, Red Star Belgrade in midweek. So, you know, it's it's that kind of interesting balance. Can City actually, I don't want to say break this duck because, you know, they're, they're more than capable of scoring these early goals. 
But um, it would be quite nice to be coming in at halftime, not 1-0 down, mm. um, especially, especially against a team like Nottingham Forest, where, as you say, I don't, I don't expect them to be playing football. You know, Most teams who come to the Etihad to play football are either just below our level or they're doing it and they get mauled. I mean, look at, for example, Burnley in the FA Cup, especially yeah. last year, uh, 6-0 from Haaland, uh, Hattrick from Haaland in that game. And then, you know, on the opening game, we absolutely did them in because, you know, that's just sometimes what happens in these games. The better team will always just get on top and stay on top. So, you know, I'm hoping it's one of those where we can get on top. It, it rely- but that, that relies on Haaland, doesn't it? It's, yeah. it's like West Ham. Again, I didn't see the game against Belgrade, but with West Ham, that was the case. Had Haaland taken his chances in the first half, would have been cruising at half time. I think I said in the match review, would have been mm-hmm. looking at that completely differently and not saying it was a bad first half it's so much even though we have got goals around the pitch so much of the way we want to play and the way we want to set out and dominate the opposition does rely on him taking his chances so I'll say if we're going to break that duck so to speak um, we're going to need him to, to, to put away a couple of his, uh, his, his shots on goal in the first half yeah, exactly. And, and you know, you say about Haaland uh, being the guy we're trying to play through. You know, you can see that in the signings we've made. And that's something I want to quickly touch on. Uh, words we've been hearing a lot from the players this season, especially some of the veterans at City now, is um, they, want, they want to keep improving, keep getting better as a side. So, you know, we're in, what, seven games into the season now um, across competitions. That's a decent amount of games to start judging a team. You know, we see, we spoke about it earlier, you know, judging teams after one game, it's not really the greatest idea, but there's a decent amount of football played now. Do you think City have improved? Do you think they have got better this season or are we at a different level? Um, Especially I think probably, with the new signings. Yeah, I think we're probably more, more electric, more exciting in a sense especially with Doku I mean he he's he's the transformative signing isn't he he's the one that is going to change completely how we operate uh, across the front line are we better where's the bar I don't <laughs> where's the vibe you know, are we talking about do we need more possession to be better do we need better xg to be better are we scoring more goals are we conceding there are so many different measures by which we've judged city over the last couple of years um you know this season it looks like we're going to be more solid defensively Back end of last season, we were talking about that we were better because we were a more mature team. You know, getting the bigger way draws in the Champions League, bringing them back to the Etihad and smashing them, and no jeopardy like we had the season before. So, it, it, it's a really tough question to say: Are we better? I think we're different, and I think the neutrals that are really really petty about City saying they're really boring football club to watch I don't think they're going to have much to moan about this season because when, when we've got Foden and Doku in that front line alongside Alvarez and Haaland that, what more do you want? <laughs> that, that's one of the most exciting front lines around in Europe so um, yeah I think I think we're going to be different are we going to be better? Uh, come back to me at the end of the season I guess but it, it just depends on how you measure that yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean, I, I spoke about it in the West Ham review when it was me and you, and I, and I just ranted and raved about Doku for a while. You know, he's like the newfound lover of this club. Everyone's in love with him. Everyone's absolutely adoring, and that sets a level of expe- expectation on him that might be unfair. But speaking of the players, let's get into the lineup, and especially, you know, the big talking point this week is the injury list. Um, so obviously Kevin De Bruyne is out long term. We know we knew that. Um, Grealish Kovacic missed the game midweek. Bernardo came off, um, you know, early mid- midway through the first half. I think it was uh, John Stones. Also, we've heard he's had a setback. 
are you worried about the injuries at City or, you know, is it, or can you kind of overlook it for now, even though it's five five key players out at the moment? I mean, it, let, actually, I'll make the point, Grealish is back in training, but, you know, and that is a real, you love to see at the moment for me, but is he match fit yet? Probably not. So, but where, where do you stand on the injury crisis, if you want to call it that, at City at the moment? Uh, it's, it's not great, is it? Um, Champions League, I think we had eight players on the bench. Two of them were keepers. Two of them, the young Lewis and Bob. It, it's not ideal. Um, we've had another injury since then in Bernardo. Um, I said De Bruyne is definitely out. We're not sure about Bernardo. Um, Grealish... Mm, Probably not. Kovacic might be back. I think Pep said a couple of days ago, he said maybe he's coming back. Um, and Stones might be. I think he said is more or less there as well. So they're minor injuries. I wouldn't call it a crisis because they are fairly minor. Um, and again, because the fixtures that we've got at the moment are fairly favourable, we can kind of ride this out. But this is an early warning sign, right? If we get to the back end of the season and we haven't reinforced the squad numbers in January, then if we have three or four injuries, we've got a real problem because that is like three games a week for three to four months. It's a lot. Um, but I think some of this is is just partly part of uh, coming back after the summer, right? Think about Grealish, for example. He's battered his body over the summer, more than the Premier League season did to him. From the minute the final whistle went in the Champions League, he's there's absolutely no way he's looked looks after himself over the summer. So I think part of these are almost teething problems with these players. You know, getting that fitness back, there can be more issues that come out the back of them. Stones as well. Once he tends to get into a rhythm and a flow and is playing regularly, he avoids those injuries. Um, so at the moment, I'm not too concerned. But if this happens at the back end of the season, I'm going to be worried. But for now, we can ride it out. Yeah, I, I'm fully in agreement there. You know, especially when we had that Kovacic injury come through from the international break, we're all thinking, oh, here we go again. You know, a player injured on the international duty. It's not our fault, but there's nothing we can do about it. Um, and then, you know, we have players stepping in we'll talk about a couple of them in a minute but yeah Grealish is the abs is the absolute key one you know does he get straight back in the side with Doku when he's match fit again um you know he as we say love to see it that he's back in training but you know is it going to be is it his is it his turn now to sit on the bench for a couple of weeks and you know reintegrate himself that way making impressions off the bench um or is it you know going to be one where Pep Pep knows what he gets from him, knows knows he can trust him fully and puts him straight back in, do you think? I think I think the the question of Grealish and Doku, and I also don't think we should exclude Foden from this conversation mm-hmm. as well, that is all for me going to come down to tactical requirements. If we're playing against a low block and we need somebody perhaps to be running out of that low block, um, we might go for Doku. Because uh, you know we've seen already, for example, against West Ham, how excellent he is at operating the tight spaces, and so is Foden. If we're against a team like, for example, Liverpool, who really likes to pressure us when we're on the ball, we might opt for Grealish for that safety, that retention, that possession, and just kind of controlling the tempo of the game. Um, th- between the three of them, between Foden, Grealish, and Doku, we've got a mixture of strengths in terms of left foot right foot we've got a mixture of strength in terms of where they can play where they can position themselves on the pitch how they operate the tempo that they play at uh, they're on the ball qualities and 
I think th- this is really where Pep truly does earn his money, right? Not only in improving these players, but knowing how and when to deploy them. So uh, for me, it's not a question of one or the other. You know, Jack, you're out, you're out of favour. I don't want to play with you anymore. Um, it, it's just going to depend on the qualities in which Pep thinks we need on the pitch per fixture. Mm-hmm. I think I think that's a really good point as well. I think one man though who's pretty much inked himself into the team sheet for the you know ongoing future is Julian Alvarez. You know, not only has he had a brilliant start to the season, uh, you know, two more goals against Red Star Belgrade in midweek, but uh, he's had a fantastic start, and you know, he's playing a role that you know most people wouldn't really expect from him. He's more of a midfield role more than ever. It's you know, there was some jokes towards the end of last season. Oh, he's going to be the Kevin De Bruyne replacement almost in the years to come. Well, it seems he's almost been kind of sped up to be that now. Uh, what have you made of him this season? And, you know, what what do you think his future is? Is it going to be more of a midfield role or when Kevin De Bruyne comes back, is he going to be the backup striker again? Um, No, I, th- I think, again, we will use him. When De Bruyne is back, he's look. When De Bruyne is back, he's not going to be playing ninety minutes every single game. Now it's just not going to happen. I don't think his body's going to take it. Um, and Alvarez is showing that he has qualities to be the engine room. He's he's never going to be as creative as De Bruyne. And I think I mentioned this in the uh, in the review after West Ham that he he doesn't particularly have a standout quality. He's never going to be as creative as De Bruyne. He'll never be as good on the ball as Foden. He'll never be as settled in possession as Grealish, etc., etc., etc. But he's got a sprinkle of all of these qualities and for certain for certain games he's going to be the man that we want in that position on the pitch and you know, just playing behind Haaland, dropping in deep, doing some dirty work off the ball. Um yeah, he's he's so exciting, man. It is so good to see a player like that excelling at City because it it just also goes to show that we don't necessarily need these uh, superstars and and technicians, etc., etc., etc. We we can bring in a player like Alvarez that has just got so many different qualities to his game, and we can make them fit in that system. Um, and I think he's being afforded some freedom as well. I think Pep trusts him because as long as he's working hard, then. I don't think we're going to be too uh, too. I don't think Pep's going to be too anal about exactly what role he's playing. It's just kind of slot him in behind Haaland and in front of the midfield and and let him do his thing. And he's he's just excelling. He's he's such an exciting player, and I'm really happy to see him getting a run in the team. Yeah, it's it's fantastic watching him. You know, I, you just smile with joy every time you're looking at him because he just admits he's one of those players that does just put a smile on your face when you watch him score those goals and you see him do his celebration. He's a fantastic player. Um, one of the players I want to highlight further at the pitch before we uh, talk about the defence and then begin to wrap up, uh, Matthias Nunes. What a fantastic start he's had to life. I know you didn't uh, see the full game on the week or in midweek. But um, what have you made of what you've seen of him so far? Because I just think he's, you know, it's just another one off the rack, isn't it? Another midfielder's come in the door and just take, and not, you don't want to say taken the league by storm, but he's already getting some rave views from people within City and in the media as well. Yeah, again, I'm I'm kind of restricted here because I didn't watch the game, and it's horrible for me because I've I've, I've almost missed a lot just from what went on on the, on the, in the Champions League game. But um, I listen. I was singing his praises, and I was singing Chiki Bagheera's praises after West Ham. It it just feels like we've had a summer where the players that are coming in haven't got that uh, typical first season syndrome under Pep. Um, the, the the biggest thing for me is that the players that we have brought in, you know, Guardiola, Nunes, Doku, Kovacic, they're just slotting in beautifully. And for me, that's the most important thing because a season like this where we are suffering from a lot of injuries already, 
we can't afford any passengers. Um, the less said about the passenger that we do have at the moment, the better uh, in, in Calvin. But listen, I, I still hope he finds some success with us. It, it might take another couple of injuries for him to, to finally be trusted. Um, but, you know, it's, it's a good job that we've not got a Calvin Phillips situation with Mateus Nunes, with Mateo Kovacic, because we need these legs on the pitch and we need them ready to perform at the standard that we expect. And so far, again, early days, week by week, but so far they are doing and hopefully they'll they'll continue in the same manner. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, you just what every time we've seen a midfielder or an attacker come into City and they've usually had to take a year, 18 months to get settled into the team, get settled into the system. It's so refreshing to just see guys come in, especially at two different points in their career. You know, Kovacic is a champion in multiple Champions League winner. He's played at Real Madrid. He's played at huge clubs. And then Matthias Nunes has come in, you know, after what was a pretty dismal season at Wolves. And he's just, you know, he's already earning the respect of all his colleagues. So that's fantastic to see. The one last selection debate I want to have is Nathaniel Ake or Nathan Ake. Nathan, Nathaniel, I don't know which one it is, or Josco Guardiol. Um, you know, we, we know what the defence is going to roughly be. Carl uh, Walker, Ruben Diaz, um, one of those two, and probably Manuel Akanji in there as well. So, who? Where do you lie at the moment, or will, or do you say sorry to Akanji and play both Ake and Gladio? I'd probably give Walker a bit of a rest. I'm honest. Um, Not bringing Rico or Akanji. No, I'm, I'm thinking Diaz, Ake, Akanji, and Gladio. Okay. Uh, the the old the the old four centre backs in a four man defence. Um, I wouldn't be against it. Again, Walker's one whose minutes we're going to have to manage now because he's kind of tipping over that 32, 33-year-old mark. So I, I wouldn't be entirely surprised if Walker gets the rest, but it's uh, we're blessed enough to not have to worry, right? It's, it's not like some football clubs where they're thinking, oh my God, please don't start him, please don't start him looking at over at Old Trafford and Maguire and <laughs> it's, we, we, but we are blessed. Whoever we do put out in that defensive line, I don't think anyone's going to be too upset. Um, Sergio Gomez could be a contentious pick, but <laughs> other than that, you know, we've other than John Stones, all the lads along the back line are, are fit. They're all fantastic players. Um, I, I'll put my money on the table and say it's going to be the four centre halves: Diasake, Guardiol, and Akanji. But yeah. am I bothered if it's not? No. Not really. No, I don't mean. I mean, the thing is, especially with Newcastle uh, in the cup coming up uh, next week, you know, there might be some implications there. Um, you know, Rico, maybe Rico and Gomez, and we go back to old school fullbacks in that game, just to maybe not say throw it, but you know, not put the most effort in in terms of trying to win the Carabao again, which would be a shame for all the City fans, all all us Bertie and City fans of the Liverpool February final. But you can't have it all at this club, as we've proven many times. Or maybe you can. Because uh, we did win the treble, as I always want to make sure people remember. Uh, but I think that'll do for today's episode. So thank you so much, Ollie. Thank you very much, Ollie. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, just remember, don't forget to like, subscribe, leave a rating, uh, all, all that good stuff. And we'll see you next time. Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end of season running with McDelivery. Great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running, and just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.